Do you know that in scripture, the number one translated word for thanksgiving in scripture, the number one translated word for thanksgiving in scripture is the word praise. All throughout scripture, you say people, you see people brought praise or the translation of that was thanksgiving, which is, which is how we have worship. It's why we have worship because we said it last week, thanksgiving isn't just a time of the year. It's a mandate from God. It's a way that God calls us to live. It's like, oh, it's that time of the year where we're thankful. No, it's the mandate from God that we live grateful and thankful. Can I get an amen today? And teenagers, that applies to you too. When your parents say to carry your stuff, you go, I'm so grateful to have stuff to take care of. My parents work so hard. I'm going to pick that up right away. Wow, there's not very many amens in here from the teenagers today. If you're watching online and your parents are like, hey, we care about you. And so we're not going to let you live on your devices. You're going to say, I'm so grateful for parents that take care of me and put my devices away and delete my TikTok. Can I get an amen today? You guys want me to stop, don't you? Parents are like, go. Teenagers are like, enough. All right, let's pray. Let's do that then. Let's pray. And then we'll invite our guest up. God, we love you so much. So grateful for your word and your truth. God, we ask that you do speak to us today. We know that your word is given to us. Lord, your word says it's a lamp unto our feet. It shows us the way. And so God, as we hear this truth, we want to learn what you have for us. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Won't you please welcome up here with me our worship leader, Cody. Give it up to Cody as he comes up. Cody and he's back. I'm, I'm How was your break? Sick. You had a little break right there? It was fine. It was good? Yeah. Okay. Uh, people don't know this. I'm just checking on you. I okay. care about you and stuff. I'm glad. You know, it's like you're up here the whole time on your tippy toes. Well, can we get you a shorter keyboard? No. <laughs> you guys ever notice how much time he spends on his tippy toes up here? It's like, it's called passion. I know. I tried it preaching one time, but I got the wrong shoes for that. Um, it's been a year since Cody's been with us. I know officially they moved up and uh, yeah, give it up for that. Yeah. I thought David be, Williams I thought loves you. Be... David Williams loves you over there. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> um, I thought that there would be cake in first service, but I was wrong. No, no, there's no I'm cake. still wrong. Um, so how about a hug? How about a That's hug great. for that one year That's ago? No, not going to do that. <laughs> I'm not going to do that today because just this week, uh, what you don't know as I know many of you men on Wednesday cared about your precious deer hunting. <laughs> but now you and I, <laughs> you're nervous. This is nervous, Cody. Everybody take a good look. This is nervous, Cody. <laughs> we came here, and before women's night, while all the other men went out there to hunt, we came up here, and we set up for women's night, didn't we? We did. We just, we just, we just like bless, bless those ladies. <laughs> no, I don't applaud that. What I'm awkwardly getting to is you hugged me unusually long that night, that day. We were setting up in here and right over in that corner. Is that the purpose. truth? I went home in my journal and I said, someone needs to talk to Cody. <laughs> but they've been with us for a year. 
And you can tell we're having fun with that. And uh, really, they came up a couple of weeks ago, this time last year, led for us. But then we continue conversations and text and stuff all throughout weeks until they moved up here. But um, been with us a year. So grateful for their heart and their insight, not just like music ability and vocal ability, but just heart for you guys and God and how worship fits into the community of our church, but also the kingdom. And um, it's evident. So you're going to get to hear some of that, but also with Cody. I got done preaching last week, and uh, Tiffany, who I'll bring up here in just a minute, uh, came up to me after service. I was like, hey, you know, love the sermon, and uh, I just had this thought, and uh, as I was praying in my quiet time, God was like showing me this, and I was like, wow, that's really good, and that was really, really good, and then like on Monday, I was still thinking about it, like, wow, that was really good. Not that I'm surprised. She's deep and great, and, and I was like, man, that's such a good thought, and then Tuesday, I was like, that's still really good. <laughs> that should be in this series. And so by Wednesday, I messaged Tiffany and I was like, hey, you're preaching on Sunday with us. And so welcome, Tiffany, wherever she is. I think she was over there before. Tiffany, oh, there you are. Okay. This is Tiffany. She's a part of the band and, and does a lot of different ministry things. And so I asked her to come up here and share her part as well. But just want to reiterate a couple of things. Last week when we kicked off the series, we saw that in Romans 1, the scripture said that there was a people there was a season, there was a community, however you want to say it, of people who knew God, but they didn't glorify him as God. They didn't prioritize him as God or Lord in their life. And the scripture says right with that, they weren't thankful people. They weren't grateful people. They didn't bring thanksgiving to him. And so the scripture said that the result of that kind of living was futile thinking or improper thinking and darkened hearts. And that happens to all of us. Whenever we live a lifestyle that we're, we're negative, we're complaining, we're ungrateful, I believe it does change the way we think. I believe it darkens our heart. And so we got a, a warning in Romans chapter one that says, hey, don't, don't be that way. Be people who keep him as God of all and then also um, give thanks. And then we saw in Luke chapter 17, there's the story of the 10 lepers. They have leprosy. They come to Jesus. Scripture says Jesus heals them all. Scripture says that one of them comes back who wasn't a believer. And so he comes back to give thanks to Jesus, shows back up and says, hey, look, you healed me. I'm set free. My life's been changed and transformed. I've just come back to give you praise and thanks and adoration. And Jesus goes like, where's all the others? Were they not healed? What's the deal with this? Why is it that the non-believer knows enough to come back and give thanks? How much more so should the believer, after the end of every week, after the end of every paycheck, after the end of every blessing we get, we should be running back and being, God, thank you for that. I praise you for that. And so we looked at that last week. And so today I just asked these guys to both share, what does it look like to live a lifestyle of thankful worship or grateful worship? Because if thanksgiving is translated praise, then it has a lot to do with what we do in worship. So Cody, why don't you go first? Yeah. Um, well, when I think of gratitude, all my words fall short and, and I have nothing new. How could I express this gratitude? That's I mean, I could sing these songs. You often do. <laughs> you guys you are going to have to laugh down. harder or yeah. we're going to that's, that's, you should write that down. That's a good song. Yeah, it's pretty, yeah. Make it a song. Yeah, maybe, we'll see. Uh, no, okay, so I'm thinking of, um, 
You know, a lot of what I'm going to talk about today is in the context of coming together as, as one body in the church and worshiping that way. Some of, I mean, a lot of it bleeds over into our lives is living, you know, gr- gratitudinally. I don't even know if that's a word. Gr- gr- a life of gratitude-filled worship. Um, but I was thinking uh, earlier this week about um, just some different things. Like, I, I wish... Uh, my first thought was like, man, if we can just all come together in this room and we can sing the right songs and we can say the right things, then, um, you know, I grew up kind of charismatic. No, I, I grew up charismatic. It wasn't even kind of charismatic. It was charismatic. Um, and so a lot of things were like caught than taught, you know, like you just, you learn by nature, like we're going to be expressive and we lift our hands. It's the culture you grow up in. So I'm like, maybe if we come in with this gratitude, then there will be this catching where people will just like, hey, we can impart to you as a team, like, oh, you have a thankful heart. But the more I got to think about that, the more the Lord was like, that's not how this works. Mm-hmm. There's not this moment when you're in worship and you just catch an attitude of gratitude. <laughs> I didn't even mean that. Um, <laughs> but it's more formed by choosing to be gracious and thankful when you don't feel gracious and thankful. Right. So I started thinking about this in my own life, and I, I went back to even Thursday. We talked about this as a team, but you, you guys don't know this, but on Thursdays, we gather here with our worship team, and we uh, usually, if I'm on it that week and I haven't you know, um, ignored some different things, I have chairs set up already, and no one has to help me, and they're all in a circle. And we come in, and we kind of sit there, and we chat, and we come up, and we worship, and we don't even go over our set at first. We just kind of worship whatever's happening and just kind of pray. And so Thursday night, we were sitting right over here and we were in a circle. We were talking about gratitude and just kind of digesting what we talked about last week. And um, Matt is the really tall guy who crams himself in this drum cage over here and beats around like an orangutan that's anointed and, and slays it. Uh, he's sitting there and he's a quiet guy. If you don't know him, he's very like quiet and gentle. So when he speaks, you listen. And so he was like, you know, I think a lot of times we, we look at God's character and it's easy to almost feel like God is needy from us. Like... there's this temptation, not even for him, but he's saying like, there's this culture that like, oh, God needs my worship and God needs my Thanksgiving and God needs me to choose him and put him first. But what he was saying in that was that's not how it is. God doesn't need our gratitude. Gratitude isn't for God. Gratitude is for us because gratitude doesn't change anything about God. It changes everything about us. So I started thinking about this and I'm like, man, in my own life, there's this, there's these things, um, you know what, maybe not in my life, maybe in your guy's life it's this way, where things come up and you complain about them. I don't know what that feels like. No. <laughs> Hold your tomatoes. Um, no, we have this thing where this, um, even, even when you don't, I don't think anyone goes around being like, I'm going to be ungrateful today. You know what, I think I'm just going to complain. Because we, we had this service uh, last Sunday where we talked about all of the material things that we can complain about. And then I show up at men's breakfast. And afterwards, Pastor Josh is like, hey, did you, have no, did you notice how much you complained about material things while we were at breakfast? And I was like, I do now. I'm, I'm aware now. So call me out in the moment next time so I don't look like a doofus. Um, it's just no one has that attitude or most people don't have that attitude that they just want to walk around ungrateful. But it creeps in because we start complaining about these different things. And what I love about what I love about the active choice for gratitude is that when you actively choose to be thankful, what you're doing, you know, we use a lot of churchy terms sometimes. And what, what really you're doing is magnifying the goodness of God, which means you're just honing in on the qualities of God. And you're, you're making that bigger than the surrounding things. You're magnifying that. And when you choose that over and over and over, what starts to happen is 
my emotions and my feelings, not all the time, not hundred percent of the time, but those things start to line up with what I'm thankful for rather than what I'm complaining about. Because if God is the biggest magnification in your life, it's pretty impossible to complain. If the goodness of God is the biggest circle for you, it's a lot harder to find yourself in complaint. And so I don't say that to condemn. I say that because it's easy to take the other route. It's easy to complain. God never commands us to do something that comes naturally, right? If it's a command, it's because it's not a natural thing we're going to do. We have to work at it. We have to, we have to practice it. And so, you know, as it pertains to coming in, yes, that's all in your lifestyle of worship. When you're at home, when you're in those moments, and I get it because it, you guys think that I come up here and sing and we're wonderful and we just walk home and birds follow us around and the sun's out and we're like, oh, we have lunch is ready. No, I go home and my kids are hungry and they all want to kill each other. And I'm like, I'm going to lock you outside. I'm literally, get, our doors don't even lock. I will barricade it. I will, I will, I will, yeah, you won't come inside. You can just live, you know, there's a park right there. It's great. Um, <laughs> And I have to remember, like, I'm so thankful that I have these kids. Actually, my wife has to remind me that I'm so thankful to have these kids. Thank God for wives. They're like the Holy Spirit on crack. Um, can I say that? Okay. The Holy Spirit, but in flesh sometimes. Anyway, so it, it happens in your life. But I think uh, this is my last point I'll kind of make. When we come in together, I think the... Um, the easy way is I've even done this so much. I have to remind myself, we come in and we enter into worship and I can automatically get into, I need this. I need that. God changed this. God changed that. God do this. God do that. And it's not that I'm intentionally treating him like a vending machine and I want Pepsi, but it's just like, Hey, I'm passionate. Like I really need this from you. And those are not wrong things. But what I've learned is when I come in and my first focus isn't me and my issues and my problems and my things, but my first focus is thank you, God, for X, Y, and Z. Most of the time, I don't even need to get to praying for what I need because I realize in that moment that he knows what I need because it reminds me of all the times he's been faithful before. And so if you're having trouble with, with feeling like I have to feel thankful, that's a lie. Throw that away. You don't have to feel thankful to, to follow the command to be thankful and practice Thanksgiving. But I think the feeling will follow when you do. So, yeah. It's good. Um, it's funny because in all of those temptations, kids driving us crazy, all these different things, right? You're thankful. I, for me, I'm like all the pressures of our careers and parenting and all these different things. Once you get the concept that yes, worship is designed for God because that's what it is, but it's also an unbelievable blessing for us because all these things going around in the world, all this stuff is happening and we have this amazing opportunity to go get these songs all the way back to the Psalms, David, all these people writing these things. Why? Because you can get in all these crazy places of life and go, hold on, you know what I have? I have the ability to worship and recalculate like what you were talking about. I get to, I get to remind myself and redo this and redo this. And some people think that's crazy. Like, oh, pastor up here talking about how your church songs make a difference. It's not weird when athletes go, oh, I have my pregame hype music. Right. We're all like, oh, yeah, I'm going to put that on before I go into a game. Because God designed music to be transformative. Yeah. 
So, hey, that's cool that you know all the songs and girls get, you know, Taylor Swift gets you hype, all this kind of stuff. Why does it all do that? Because there's power in music for sure. But when you combine God's ultimate truth into that, yeah. it shifts atmospheres. Yeah. And we're going to look at it a little bit more. Tiffany's going to tell you a little bit more about that. But like worship wins the wars yeah. and it, it wins it over our flesh, over our emotions, over those kind of things. So I'm so grateful that God designed that for us. And I think we need to work like crazy to make sure our kids know how to do it. Yeah. Teenagers are spending time doing it. Our households are doing it. Are you with me? Yeah. Tiffany, uh, like I said last week, I said, you, you have to share this. It's such a great thought. Yeah. Tiffany's involved in a bunch of different ministries. You would hear her singing quite a bit, but she's involved in some other, um, I guess you would call them kind of artistic uh, ministries through the well and um, just such a great, solid, uh, truthful voice, and um, yeah. you're going to get a lot from it. So take it away. So um, like Pastor Josh mentioned um, last week, I was just really um, hearing from the Lord uh, before service even started. I had spent time with the Lord, which is so important, um, and I'm here to encourage you to do that, to make sure that you're spending time in the Word and and taking time to listen to what He says in that. Um, because such great revelation comes out of that. So that's what I'm sharing this morning. So as I was spending time with the Lord, I was in Psalm 23. And um, that's the scripture that says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And it's very well known. And there's a tendency sometimes to skip over stuff that, Oh yeah, I read that, I know what that says. Um, but I keep getting drawn back to that scripture. And so as I'm reading, I got hung up on verse 5. And um, when the Lord highlights a verse for you in Scripture, I encourage you to meditate on it because it could be the Holy Spirit trying to tell you something. And so um, that, that verse says, um, You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Um, I really like the NLT version because it says, You prepare a feast before me. And I like these, this idea of a feast, um, especially with Thanksgiving coming up, um, when we prepare all these wonderful foods that we've been looking forward to all year, except for dry turkey, because I hate dry turkey. <laughs> all the sides. Um, but yeah, uh, so I'm looking at, um, in, my, in my mind, I'm picturing this feast before me, this table that the Lord has prepared. And on that table are the blessings. Um, so like Pastor Josh said last week, um, he, he told us all of these um, real tangible blessings that we have, like a home, um, a car, a garage for our home, breath in our lungs. And we have all those things. We have other things that, are, um, that we can't see, like joy and... Um, relationships and um, his presence. Um, and so at this table, it's not just a table of blessings. It's a table in the presence of the Lord because he's at that table with you. And how great it is to sit in the presence of the Lord, the God of the universe, the one who created it all. He makes the flowers come every spring. What beauty of the spring, the colors of the fall. He makes the, the storehouse. He's got storehouses of snow, which we love, love, love. That's why we live in Michigan. <laughs> and, um, you know, he's an artist. Our God paints the sky for you all. Every morning and every night, 
He gives us beautiful things. Look for the beauty. It's in the table. So, um, and also at the table, besides the blessings and the amazing presence of the Lord, is um, Jesus. It's his body and his blood. The Lord's Supper. You know, he, his body is broken for you. He's sacrificed. And his blood continues to flow over and over and over you. And... I mean, that alone is a reason to give gratitude for the rest of your life, the fact that he continues to pour out into you. Um, and, and the part in the scripture that says he anoints my head with oil, that's a, a symbol of his presence coming down over you and equipping you to do the work um, that he has called you to. So we have this wonderful, beautiful table in front of us of all these blessings in the Lord. But we also are surrounded by enemies in the world. Um, enemies, for those of you who don't know, they're not just people in our lives that come against us. There are other things, too, that Satan comes at us with, like um, fear, doubt, anxiety, depression, busyness, worry, financial debt, all these things that are pulling our attention away from God. and. And God is, is at the center of it all, you know? And, and when we are not, when we're looking at the problems in our life and the things around us, we're not focusing on what's right in front of us because we haven't left the table. We never leave the table. We're always there. God's always there. And, and when our focus is not on him and his blessings, then we forget about that. Um, so worship and gratitude are a way of helping us to focus our attention back on the Lord and his blessings. Um, we sing songs here, um, specifically Good Plans and Fight My Battles. Those songs are based on Psalm 23. So when we're singing those songs, you're literally singing the word of God. You're singing scripture. And there's so much power when we sing scripture. Um, Ephesians talks about um, the armor of God, putting on the armor of God every day. And it says that the word of the Lord is the sword of the spirit. So when we're singing scripture, we're slaying. We're using our swords to battle. But you know what? We're not even putting in the work. We're, we're giving ourselves, we're surrendering ourselves, and God's the one that's fighting the battle. You know, so, so living a life in tune with the Lord and, and gratitude and worship helps us keep our focus on that. Um, when we come in here on a Sunday, this is time that you've designated for the Lord. It's not a, a to-do list. It should never be something that you have to do or feel obligated to. We come in here because we have the opportunity to forget about everything that's going on outside right now. We come in here to focus on God and give our praises to him. So when we, when we make it dark in here, we're setting an atmosphere that will minimize the distractions for you so that you can enter in. And our, our heart's desire as a church is for you to encounter the Lord and to bring that to others. So um, I just encourage you on weeks ahead when you come in here to make sure that you're um, choosing to set aside the things that are distracting you and really put your focus on the Lord and how good he is no matter what's going on in your life and you will find blessing in that. Um, and um, yeah, I just want to tell you to eat the feast that the Lord has prepared for you. Taste and see that he is good. Yeah, that's good. Amen. That's good. So good. Uh, one thing we were saying, one thing 
we were saying just in conversation yes or last week is you know you're at this table where god's prepared everything that you need right it's all here and the enemies are surrounding us and the enemies all the things of life just like she said chaos and all of the different things going on and it's easy to look at all the enemies and be like i don't want to be at this table because it's surrounded by enemies and you can look at all the stuff that's going on in the world and be like why am i the only one standing up for truth why am I the only one trying to live a lifestyle of holiness and righteousness? Why does my table have to be in the middle of all of this stuff going on? But everything you need is actually at the table. That's good. So we're like, oh, I wish I could go here or go there. Or go there. No, everything you need is at the table. Yeah. And it hurts and it's frustrating. Why do I feel like I'm in this tornado of all this stuff and surround? But everything you need is at the table. And I love what Tiffany just said, like feast feast like he's provided for you but you you have to engage it you have and so that's what sunday invites us to every single time it's like hey let's let's worship let's engage i was uh, a good christian this week and so i was at peasley chiropractic brothers care (laughs) and they were snapping the demons out of me you know (laughs) and i got a lot of them so i'm in there for a while And I was talking to Andrew um, just about different things going on, like in culture and in the world and in different people's lives and our lives and friends' lives. And we were just discussing like, man, can you imagine? My heart goes out to people who don't know the truth and the goodness of God. Like, could you imagine trying to raise kids without the confidence of being able to pray over your kids? Like I'm thinking about the things that like go on in our homes and that our kids have to face and the different things that appear in their nightmares and different things like this. And we pray over our homes. Yeah. And think about for us as believers, we get to lift up praise and worship through our homes. Yeah. We get to sing over our kids. We get to do all this kind of stuff. And, and what a thing we actually take for granted. This ability to use our words and put them into warfare as worship. And so I'm telling you, in the time and the hour that we're living with all of the face things that we're facing, yeah. worship has got to be such a major part of our life. Right. That seat at the table has never been more important than it's ever been to, to understand what we have. Amen? Amen? We didn't choreograph any of this. I just was like, hey, you say a few things and you say what you said to me last week. And then this is what I've had planned to say. And it's amazing how it all weaves together perfectly. So let me just share with you real quick, maybe just the next five minutes. And then we're actually going to end worshiping to the song that that we just heard. Um, This is how we fight our battles. Um, But there's this story of this guy named Jehoshaphat. And um, everybody loves to pick a Bible name for their kids. Hey, everybody come over here. This is our daughter, Naomi. This is Hannah. This is our son, David. Bonus points for anyone choosing Jehoshaphat. Yeah, yeah. he is actually named Jonathan. So see, Jonathan Jehoshaphat, Kenny is his name. So... (laughs) I'm just saying bonus points for if anyone going that far. But there's this guy, Jehoshaphat, and here's why I want to bring him up to you. Jehoshaphat was actually the great, great, great grandchild of King David. He shows up on the scene. He's a thousand years before Jesus, and he gives us an amazing picture of how powerful worship is, especially when you prioritize it. So we see here, uh, he's the king over Judah. He's the fourth king uh, over Judah. And we find in 2 Chronicles chapter 17, we begin to pick up on his story. It says, the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he followed the ways of his father, David, before him. Father, they mean great, great, great grandfather, but father before him says this, says he did not consult the Baals, 
He did not falsely worship is the first thing we're seeing here. He didn't run to the Baals. He didn't run to the, the, the popular people of the hour. It says that he didn't consult false worship. It says in verse four, but he saw the God of his father and followed his commands. He put him first. He prioritized him first. Rather than the practices of Israel, the Lord established the kingdom under his control and all of Judah brought gifts to Jehoshaphat so that he was had great wealth and honor. His heart was devoted to the ways of the Lord. Furthermore, he removed the high places of Asherah poles from Judah. These were false worship tree poles. They would have been trees that were carved into places of false worship. So not only is he somebody who's committed and devoted to the Lord with his life, he's also committed and devoted to eradicating false worship. Right. This is, he loved God so much that he made sure he worshiped him, but he also did all that he could to stop false worship. Right. Let's jump over to chapter 20, second Chronicles chapter 20. Uh, so remember he was so blessed, so honorable. And don't we just wish it could always stay that way? God, I love you. I'm devoted to you. I put you first. Therefore, everything's going to be perfect. Nope. <laughs> Second Chronicles chapter 20. After this, the Moabites and the Amorites with some of the Minunites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Scripture says, I'm going to paraphrase here for time's sake, that a vast army is coming against him. And this is what verse 3 says. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire the Lord. I love that it said alarmed. Like, hey, the enemy's after you. Hey, the scripture tells us that he was surrounded. It wasn't just one. It was multiple people now surrounding them, multiple armies now surrounding them. And when he gets word of this, the scripture says that he's alarmed. Right. He didn't do the fake church thing where he said, hey, they're coming in around you. It's fine. I'm blessed, highly favored. Right. Too blessed to be stressed, bro. No, he's like, ah, because it's okay yeah. that when things come up against us, when things hit us in our life, it's okay to be like, trouble, I'm alarmed. But I love his reaction. It said, Jehoshaphat resolved. I wish that we came into church with some resolve. Hey man, I'm troubled. Hey, I'm alarmed, but I'm resolved to inquire of the Lord. It says that he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. The people of Judah came together. There's that community again we've been talking about. It says that they came together to seek the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town to seek him. Notice that they didn't come together to seek and put together the most brilliant war strategy. It wasn't to, to gather the best weapons. It said they simply came to do what? Worship, to seek God, to inquire of him. Verse nine, this is what they go on to say. If calamity comes upon us, whether by sword or judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and we will cry out to you in our distress and you will hear us and save us. And the conversations that they had among each other was you are the God of our past. You are the God who's ruling in heaven and in the kingdom. You're above all nations and power and might is in your hand. What were they having conversation of? Thanksgiving. Right and gratitude, and power, and knowledge of who God is. Can I get an amen today? So scripture says that this guy, who's a son of Zechariah, then gives them a word. He says, hey, here's the word for you. Here's what you're going to do going forward. The word is that God is going to fight for you. And he says, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow, for the Lord will be with you. How often have we been talking about that? Don't be discouraged. Don't be stressed. Don't freak out about all this. God is with you. And then it says in verse 18, so they got the chariots and they got the weapons and they loaded everything up. And now that they know God is with them, they're going to go. No, it says in verse 18, Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell in worship before the Lord. Some Levites stood up and praised the Lord of God of Israel with a very loud voice. Here's what I love about this. 
It says that some knelt and worshiped and some stood and praised loudly. I'm here to say this morning, everybody's worship doesn't have to look the same. We've literally formed denominations because we thought everything should look the same. It has to be like this. This is the way. No, I love that it shows in this that their worship was two different expressions. Are you with me today? So they're doing this, and then it says, after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out ahead of the army, saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Their war cry was literally thanksgiving. They didn't go get all the chariots and do all the things. They said, hey, let's get some people together and let's worship. And what should our worship song be? gratitude and thanksgiving because God is good. Then it says this, as they begin to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes and all of the enemies were defeated. Why? Because worship wins the war. I'm paraphrasing a little bit more, but it says when the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert, they looked toward the vast army and they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one escaped. Not one of the enemy escaped. And what did they do? They just simply worshiped. They gave thanks. The same thing happens when we worship is God sends our enemies to scatter. Are you with me? It says this, Jehoshaphat and his men went and carried off the plunder and they found so much among them in great equipment and great clothing and articles of value more than they could carry away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. Now they have all of this stuff. I'm sure they're going to go back to town and brag about it. No, let's see the decision they made. Then Jehoshaphat took all the men of Judah and Jerusalem, returned joyfully to Jerusalem for the Lord had given them so much to rejoice about over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple with harps and lyres and trumpets. And what did they do? Worshiped again. They worshiped again because there's so much power in our Thanksgiving. There's so much power in our gratitude. And so on a Sunday morning like this, When we come in with our worship and our thanksgiving, I believe it drives out enemies. Are you with me? I'm going to ask the band to come up here. We're going to worship one more time. And I want you to try it. Maybe you're in here today and you say, you know, I'm not like really somebody who gets all this worship stuff. And maybe you're surrounded by an enemy. Maybe it's kind of like what Tiffany shared. Maybe you got some stuff that's just setting itself up around you. My encouragement when we stand and sing here is use your words, give your thanksgiving and let's send our enemy to scatter. Amen. Once you stand. I'm going to pray as the band prepares. And then we're going to worship the song that Tiffany was talking about where, hey, in the presence of our enemy, we're going to trust that you have good things for us. Let me pray. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful that you gave us worship. God, I thank you that your word says that you inhabit, you join in the praises of your people. God, we're going to do that now. We're going to live that out now. And God, I just pray against any enemy that's trying to set itself up against your people. God, I pray that you defeat them as we worship, as we give you thanksgiving, as we inquire of you first. Lord, we're asking that you deliver us. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship.